Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Remember how I told you we were going to get back into Luke? Or back to Matthew, I guess, with the Sermon on the Mount? I lied. I lied, I lied, I lied. We had three weeks of um, detours on some different things. It began with generosity and talking about the peanut butter and jelly. And then we had uh, Monica, who... Hi, Monica. Is... uh... Yes. Well, Monica likes these kind of... She's been out there for like 35 minutes. Just waiting for this moment of this introduction. But Monica shared about worship and then... uh, now, last week we had Easter, but we're going to have one more interruption, if you don't mind. We're going to uh, talk about some things, kind of an extension of our Vision Sunday, um, kind of digging into some of these different repeating themes that have been continuing within our church uh, that we've been watching uh, as elders, as staff, and as a church talking about different things going on um, that I want to pull together. I think after our 24-hour day of prayer uh, and, and really having these discussions and having this, uh, this focus, we're seeing some things start to come together that we have been talking about in all these different areas, and I want to bring them, bring them together into one place. So uh, if the Spirit allows, we'll be back in Matthew next week, but uh, today we're going to be doing something just a, a little bit different, something that wasn't really originally prepared for. Uh, so with that, I think the first thing I want to bring onto the table that we'll be bringing uh, together into so, some sort of unity uh, is the concept of what you see on the screen here, the switch. Switch keeps coming up over and over again um, that within different studies that we have. Uh, I was teasing with Angie this week because she, she's a kind of a buzzword person kind of seeing what we have and we as elders have been talking about some things. And so I, uh, last week when I talked about Mary having that switch, I told her I saw her face because her light, she just smile lit up because it's like, there it is again, you know. And uh, switches are something I want to go a little bit deeper into today of what they mean. I made this all by myself. Is everybody pretty impressed? Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I could. <laughs> how's your prayer life, honey? <laughs> I think there might be better people that could do that for you. But um, it's kind of playing play with this. I mean, again, like, like we talked about, if we were talking about Mary, that there, there was that moment where something switched. You know, like we all know what these do. You just tick, turn it on, turn it off. Uh, but last week, I talked, thank you very much. Uh, we really do need a security team at the church. Uh, but the... Um, but with Mary last week, again, if you remember, like everything was confusing, everything was perplexing, everything was overwhelming when she saw the empty tomb. And even when she saw the, the evidence that he was gone, even when she saw the angels, even when she was told, when she even saw Jesus himself, it still was perplexing until that moment when he said, Mary. Right? That, that, that there was a switch and everything changed. Uh, we see that again a lot in our lives. The other example that I gave at that time was... Uh, like for anybody who struggles with weight or weight loss, we know that you can say, I'm going to lose the weight, I'm going to start eating better, I'm going to start exercising. But none of that really usually takes more than a week or two before it goes away, unless there's something switches. There's got to be something inside me that changes when um, my, my high point was 310. I'm at 260 right now. Um, and for me to, to start that, that journey 
originally it was my daughter was young and I wanted to be able to get on the floor and play with her, and I was losing that. You know, that, that was that switch when I, I knew it had to become something personal, something within that. But as we get into it, there's more and more ways that that plays into our, our lives. It could be mental health. Maybe we're struggling with depression or, or anxiety or something along those lines, and people are reaching out to us about, you know, get, getting help for that. Until something switches, it doesn't really change anything. A lot of times we stay in the same place of going, well, I can work through it, or I can fight through it, or it doesn't affect me that much, or whatever the case may be. Or with people that are in abusive relationships that justify their spouse's abuse, or their parents' abuse, or the child's abuse, whatever the case may be, and they just, well, they didn't mean it this time. Until something switches, you don't get the help. You don't get that safety plan to get out, whatever the case may be. A lot of different places it comes into addiction, until something switches, right? It just is the same old status quo. Um, spiritual life, there's a lot of different areas that, that takes a switch for us to move forward in a tangible way, in a real way. Um, I know one I was thinking about, and I talk about offense, my son has always been one that if he loves something, he excels, and if he does not love something, he just wants nothing to do with it. And I remember when he was in school, the, I mean, like he was on the edge of flunking out all the time and then went to, to his version of Tri-River who's got the working with mechanics, graduated top of his class. There's all kinds of different switches though in our lives. And so that's what I want to concentrate on mostly and then bring them together at the end. And we're going to do that by looking at another um, testimony within the scripture. It's one that we talked about from a different perspective not too long ago and not too in depth. But if you would, we're going to get our scriptures out, our Bibles out and go to Acts 10. At Acts 10... Um, and again, there's Bibles around the room, underneath the chairs and the baskets if you need one or want to keep one. I also have you version up and running. But this is probably one of those prominent uh, switch stories in my mind when it comes to Scripture. There's tons of them. There's just tons of them. This is very common, but we just don't think about it this way within the Scripture. Now, as you get into Acts 10, I'm going to start out uh, primarily in verse 9, but just to kind of set up the context a little bit. We've got uh, Peter... Uh, is getting ready to have a life-changing situation. And it starts away from him with a gentleman by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius is a, a centurion, which means he has money, he has authority, he has power. Um, he is God-fearing. He worships God. He, he offers up uh, offerings to God. But the main thing to kind of take a note in this is that he's a Gentile. He's not Jewish. And for those who have been around for a while, or if you looked at it in the scripture yourself for a while, again, that was a big, big issue in the first century church is Jews and Gentiles and the racism or the prejudice between uh, the two, that the Jews felt that they were God's chosen people. And Jesus brought the understanding that the whole time that God was for everybody and that he was here for everybody. And they were trying to get their minds around what does that mean for us as Jewish believers with Gentiles. So to have this Gentile believer in the mix is different. Now, he's not accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven his life yet, but he's God-fearing. So it's kind of an Old Testament going into New Testament standpoint. And one day, uh, in the middle of his normal life, an angel shows up to Cornelius. And in verse, uh, let's see, we'd be in verse 4, about the second half there. Uh, the angel says to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, or a memorial offering before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. That's one Simon. 
he is lodging with another Simon, or one Simon, a tanner, who takes and deals with dead animals, deal, deals with uh, drying the skin, selling it to the skins. Uh, he is at his house, whose house is by the sea. Um, and so this starts this journey for Cornelius to send some of his men to go get Simon Peter to bring him back to the home. Okay, so that's the kind of the context that we're walking into when we get to verse 9 from Peter's perspective. So uh, we're going to read a little, talk very little, because I'm going to leave most of the commentary for when we go through the bullet points. But I want us to have the story on the table in front of us. Started out in verse 9. It says, The next day after this vision, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again for a second time, saying, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, I'm just going to stop there. Peter is perplexed. He has no idea what this means. God has given him a vision. Again, I know a lot of times we talk about dreams or those type of things, and people have different experiences with those things. God talks to us in different ways. We have to look for confirmation, discernment, all those things on the table. But all this has put Peter in a place where everything is shaken. So, from there, the men uh, come. They're coming to the house, and um, Peter is prompted by the Holy Spirit, saying that there's men at the front door. You need to go with them. And so he does a faith step. He goes down to the front door and says, I'm the man that you're looking for. And the reason why I say that's a faith step, because if he was wrong, he'd look stupid. I mean, like he has nothing in the world to take and prove that this is, these guys are there for him. I mean, it could be a guy just walking around selling magazine subscriptions, and Peter says, I'm the guy you're looking for. He's like, great, got a great deal on Field and Stream, right? I mean, it's, a, it's, it's not that kind of situation. He's going down saying, okay, God's doing something. I'm leaning into it in a tangible way. I'm the guy you're looking for. And they tell him about Cornelius. Uh, really, really heavy on the angel stuff because they're trying to get him to come because Peter's not allowed to go. A Jew's not allowed inside the house of a Gentile, and they know that. But when an angel tells you to do something, you just kind of keep on moving on. And so he tells them all about it and that the angel told Cornelius to come get him. So picking it back up about halfway through 23, it says, The next day Peter rose and, and he went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa, so it's other Jews, accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I am a man too. And as they talked with him, he went in and found many people gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So he's kind of got the vision. I mean, it's kind of an uncomfortable stuff. You guys all know. Like, if I started up here, I was like, you guys all know I really don't have to and probably shouldn't be hanging out with you guys. I mean, that's kind of, but, but that was known. It, it, that, that was the, the fact of what it is. And he has now kind of gotten a little bit of it that the vision, the vision is talking not just about food, but about people. So he says, so when I was sent for, verse 29, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. 
This, to me, is one of the big Peter duh moments. You're Peter. You're Peter. An angel called for you to come and be here with a group of people who have never accepted Jesus as leader and forgive your life. Gosh, I wonder what I should talk about. <laughs> you know, that, if I was, I, said, I, I know that I'm going to probably be talking about the, the gospel if, if I'm called for something like that, but Peter's just still not fully getting it. So in verse 30, Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house, and at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord to share with us. We don't know what we're looking for. You're here because you were sent for. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand. Click. Truly now I get it. Truly I now get that, there's, that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I was completely in the dark about this just a few minutes ago. I'm walking half a step behind everybody else, and then finally, I get it. I'm here for this purpose and this message, and we are all equal in the eyes of the Lord. He loves all of us the same. He has the same purpose, power for all of us in our own unique ways. So this is another switch story where all of a sudden he goes from perplexed to I get it. So with that on the table, if you'll let me, I want to go through, again, for our note-takers, and throw out some bullet points about understanding some things about switches. So uh, with the help of, of Chris, we'll put these up one at a time. I did add one last minute, but I was able to put it in, so I think we're good to go. Uh, the first one I, I want you to consider is this. A switch is usually in an area he's already working in, that God is already working in. Usually when you're going to have a switch of some sort that God's trying to get you to, he's already gotten you a step or two in that boat. In this case, Peter... His first breaking of the law is not going to the Jewish people's house. It's being at the tanner's house. With the tanner working with carcasses, especially on the roof, where he would have those, those furs hanging so that the blood can come out, so that they can dry from the sun. It was a very common practice time. For him to be at a place at carcasses and blood, he already gets that that does not make him unclean. That Christ fulfilling the law has made it so that it's our sin, not covered by the blood of the, of the Lord yet is what makes us unclean. So he's already moved past a step. And I would almost assume, not, maybe not in a cocky way, but in just kind of a normal way, that Peter's kind of feeling good about that. That I'm good that God's revealed this to me. It's good that I'm beyond those that are around me. And could very well settle in that, knowing that he has learned a lesson. And God's saying, dude, we've got so much more to experience. We've got so much more to learn. That was the first step and a step that we're going to. So if he's calling us to a switch uh, in our spiritual life, our church life, or in our addictions, or in our abusive relationships, there's probably already some things there that you know this isn't fully right. Or this really isn't fully lit yet. I don't fully understand this yet. So a lot of times switches are a journey that we're already on. That we know that there's something that needs to change. Second one I'll give to you is this. Uh, before a switch... Things we see and hear won't come to full light. Before switch, things we see and hear won't come into full light because you're still in the darkness. Or you're still in the shaded area of it, at least. 
So if you are dealing with addiction and people are reaching out to you, you're probably going to go, yeah, I know, but... Or if your marriage is failing and other people see it, especially Christian mentors or people that love you, that care about you, and they reach out and say, hey, we're concerned about you, or it seems like you guys are unhappy, or it seems like you're stressed. Yeah, I know, but... And it's usually we don't want to take medicine, or we don't want to see a counselor, or we won't go to marriage counseling, or we won't do that, you know, whatever the things are. There's probably all the things that God's putting into your midst trying to reach you that you're not really accepting on a core level yet. That's normal before the switch. That's normal before the switch. Uh, number three, your switch may come later than the switch and those you impact. Your switch may come later than the switch and those you impact. Peter, Peter was a step behind everybody else the entire time, and he was the leader they were looking to. That's funny to me. But I get it. I get it. So there's a lot of times that people might look at you as a Christian example. They might look to you as a mentor. They might look to you as a teacher, whatever the case may be. You might not even want them to, but they do. And they might be seeing things that you don't see. That, they, they have a, that there'll be those around you that want something deeper with the Lord that you're not quite catching yet. Then that's something to notice and start thinking as a switch here. Is there something coming that I, that I want to dig into? Here's uh, the one I kind of added yesterday. Don't try to predefine what the switch will look like. If you feel a switch is coming, I think this is imperative. Do not try to define what the switch looks like. It's not yours to define. It's not for you to advise the Holy Spirit what it should look like. It's for you to discover as he leads you through it. I'll give you examples. Who, when Jesus came, studied the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah who completely missed him because they thought they knew what he would look like? The Pharisees and Sadducees. They were looking forward to the switch. They just defined it in a way that they didn't recognize it when it was in front of them. Who will probably miss some of the big signs when it comes to the last days because they studied Revelations and Daniel and they had it all, have it all figured out. And will miss the second coming of Christ. Well-intentioned people who say, Lord, Lord, but don't know. We're not supposed to predefine a switch. If, if Mary tried to define what that morning was going to be like before the switch, she would have been way wrong. Matter of fact, that's why she was missing it all to begin with. If Peter was trying to define what God was trying to do fully with this vision, the best he would have got is up there around 20, 29, that I see that I'm supposed to come into your house, that I'm supposed to be in the ballpark. We're not supposed to define it. If we're talking about a switch in the church, one of the things we have to watch is make sure we don't predefine it. Oh, it's so exciting that Spirit's about to do something new in the church. Maybe it'd be more like the Methodist church I grew up in. Probably not. Um, maybe it'd be more like the Pentecostal church I, I, I grew up in. Maybe the things that, that I wanted here the whole time, that, that I love the church, but I just wish we did this, or I wish we did that, that that will be what, what it looks like. It's not for us to figure that out. We, 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 we discover it as we go. I don't know which things will. Oh, maybe we'll go back to hymns. The, uh, I love the hymns. That's not a slam, but a, we're not seeing that trend right now of what the Holy Spirit's doing. So make sure you don't predetermine what that will look like, especially if you're having marriage problems. The Holy Spirit's moving, and I know he's going to change my spouse so they become this, this, and this. We'll completely miss it. Hey, guys. Um, so we want to make sure we don't predetermine what, what that, that looks like. I, I truly believe that that we will miss what he is doing. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes as well. Number four. No, number five, because I added one. 
Your switch changes your entire outlook. When a switch happens, when it goes from off to on, it's going to change your entire because it's light. Now, now you can see what, what he's been doing the whole time. It's going to change everything with an outlook. For, for Peter, again, we have it right there. Truly, I understand. Now I get it. Now I know why I'm in the house. Now I know why I'm, t- I'm teaching these things. Now I know why God's put this relationship in front of me. Now I fully get it. When you look at the, the other translations of this, uh, the New King James Version, in truth, now I perceive it. Uh, NIV, I now realize. The New Living Translation, I see very clearly now. Everything changes with the switch. All the things that you are holding on to become not because now we can see what God was doing. Now we see what matters and what doesn't. Which goes along with your next one as well as your switch changes your actions. Your switch will change your actions. If your vision changes, you naturally will change your actions and what you invest into with your time, with your finances, whatever the case may be. The whole time that um, that he was, was, was talking into here, where the angel was talking to uh, Cornelius and was saying, look, God's seen your generosity. God has seen your arms. God has seen your faithfulness as an offering to him. And because of that, go to Simon and bring Simon to you. That switch in Cornelius had brought in the light before it did for, for Peter. So we see a lot of changes there. And then the last one I'll give you this is um, when there's a switch, things get wild. Things just get wild. It, it's crazy. When I continue into this, uh, if you're still there, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, those Jews that we were talking about earlier, that came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Of course they're going to ask him to remain for some days. There's a party going on. That was going to mess up this revival, right? It's going well. After this, the next, get into the next chapter, Peter goes back to Jerusalem and says to the apostles, you're not going to believe this. I was at this guy's house, Cornelius, and this is how God got me there. I kind of had to work through my prejudices and my things of my culture and my time to get there. And the Holy Spirit showed up, and it was crazy. It was crazy. And then you start seeing what God was doing even on a bigger picture than just what he was doing with Peter. Because then they start getting reports from a church called Antioch that Kathy and I were just talking about right before church. Antioch was a like multicultural, multi-ethnic group, uh, mostly of Gentiles that just started blowing up the the church of the city. And so they started hearing reports of all this great stuff that God was doing in Antioch to the point they're like, what is going on? We've got Peter here. We've got this going over in Antioch. They pick a guy named Barnabas and say, Barnabas, can you go check this out and just kind of spy out, make sure it's of God? And he goes, and he loves it so much, he comes back and says, here's my report. It's awesome. By the way, goodbye. I'm moving. I'm going to go hang out in Antioch because stuff's going on amongst the Gentiles that we never assumed. And it was him that went and started leading that. It was him who said, I need an assistant. It was him who found that finding an assistant was kind of hard because people are still struggling with this whole Gentile prejudice and whatnot. So he finds this goofball that nobody else wants to work with named Paul who came to the Lord. Nobody had trusted him, but he said, will you come and do this ministry with me? And then they went to Antioch, and it just blew up. Then you got 
Barnabas and Paul going out and doing missionary work, the first missionaries we've ever had. They're going out and impacting, and then they split, and they go two different ways. We now have two mission trips going. This is the beginning of craziness. Craziness. Because Peter went from, I'm perplexed, to, now I see it. That was the story. That's what switches do. We just don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do with it. Don't try to predefine it, but get excited about it and lean into it so that we can find it. Okay, so that's my bit on, on switches. Let's talk about it in the church context. So we've been talking about switches, and switches have been coming up over and over again. We've been talking about rooms, right? Most, most of us have been here. We've been talking about these rooms and uh, dreams and confirmation of dreams of like being in a house or being in a place that's very familiar uh, then all of a sudden you find like a door and you open it up and all of a sudden you find that there's like five or six, seven other rooms to this house that you never knew existed. And they're like fully furnished and you can, you're like, how in the world did I live here for so long and I didn't? You know, it's like I've got like double the house, you know. And so that has been coming up over and over again as well as us being positioned for the switch, which we're going to see here in a second how Peter did that so that we can do it in our own lives. But for us, the main thing we've been talking about is that dropping that cord or having that switch off comes uh, first through prayer. First through prayer. So hence the 24-hour-day prayer that we just had and all those type of things. So I want to bring all those together because, I mean, this logically makes sense that if God's leading us to new places or new rooms within the church, if we're going to look from a church standpoint, um, then we've, we've got to realize that turning the light on is what illuminates those rooms and lets those things to start moving. So we're, we're going to try to bring all those things together. Now, I know you guys like so many illustrations. I, I know I like things that are visual, something that you can hold on to, like this masterpiece. <laughs> but I didn't have a lot of work, time to work on this because I've been working on uh, some other things. So um, I warned my wife I was going to move from this position because she's in charge of cameras and she doesn't like when I move from this position. There, no. To do to do the sermon illustration, I'm going to. I was going to say I was going to go by Carrie, but Carrie left. Carrie somehow found out about what I was going to do. So Scott. Yes, it's it's completely that. Oh, okay. Here we go. I also sprained my ankle, so I'm going to hobble a little bit. And I did not test this, so I don't know if this is going to scream at me or not. Let's see. Oh, JT, you might have to run back here if I start going on, Michael. What's behind this door? Shit. Anybody that's been back here for the last three days, you're not allowed to answer this question. <laughs> if you've been here in the last three days, you, you know what's back here. Okay? Outdoors, outside, you said shed. Normally, I'm, I mean, yeah. A new car. New car? <laughs> <laughs> My 16-year-old daughter is up now. <laughs> what do you think is back here? If, but you, you cannot answer if you've been back in the last three days. That's all I'm saying. Think about what we're thinking about. What's back here? What, what am I stupid enough to do? <laughs> Tommy, take a guess. Huh? You put it in a pool? Put it in a pool? Okay. That's what this was for. What? Outside baptism? Okay. Anybody? Giant switch. Giant switch? <laughs> Hi there, come on. Nobody, that's it. You guys are not very imaginative. Room? Who said room? Donna said room? What kind of room do you think? Storage? Another wish teacher wants it. 
It's what? Door to the future. Okay. Door to the future. I wish I had that kind of power. Tool. Okay. Are you guys ready? A new pastor? Is that you, Chris? I'm a gay. Okay, you ready? Three. Two. It's locked. Okay, I see. You ready? You guys won't be able to see. Well, you're leaning a little bit. Nah, just the shed. Yeah, I didn't really have time the last few days to build a room. Nope, that's just what it is. That was disappointing. But you wondered. It looks like heaven? But let, let, let's say this. You, you did wonder. You did wonder. What, what could we possibly do there in three days? What could be behind there? Because I haven't looked. Some of you guys have never seen back here. So you know what I mean? Like... What, what could possibly be there? That's my hope that we start to wonder about when it comes to what God's doing with the, the rooms in, in this, our church ministry and our spiritual lives as individuals. This has been sitting up here. This is actually a sign originally from a mission trip that the youth group did about seven or eight years ago uh, that's being repurposed. But if you ever wonder what Mike Russell does throughout the week is he works for an electric company. What, what's, I mean, it's a big one. What, what's the name of it again? What is it? Vaughn? And he moved into the office, I don't know, a couple years ago, three years ago, instead of being in the field as much, but he still does things out and about amongst the guys in the construction sites, and he also makes blueprints. So in working with Mike, I said, this is what we've been noticing. This is what we've been talking about. Um, if I write it down on a piece of paper, can you make some, you know, make it look somewhat official? And so this is what I got from Mike. And I'm going to use this. This is not an official pointer tool. This, this is uh, one of those magnets on a stick. See? It's a magnet on a stick. Uh, yeah, that I bought for my son's tool truck in Florida. Um, but I figured it would come in handy here. And if, if you roll with me, and I know it's kind of hard to see this. We're going to have this out uh, in the, uh, the lobby for a while. And we also have some pictures that will go. But I, I wanted to use this to make it a little easier from a distance for those in the back. This general area here is generally what our church looks like now. Uh, and this, you've got the gathering room here where you guys are sitting. And this usually, we, we focus on things uh, with worship and discipleship, usually in the gathering room. Uh, worship through music, worship through our sacrifices, worship through tithes and offerings. Uh, discipleship going to be more like Jesus. Uh, that, that's been a big part of who we've been now for over 18 years. Um, and then we've got this, I, I kind of put more like a, the formal fellowship in the foyer where we gather and talk. That's something that we do like Sunday mornings. That's why I say formal. Uh, again, Kathy and I were talking in Acts chapter 2 when it talks about the early church that they worshiped every day in the synagogue and in each other's homes. Uh, they had formal worship in the synagogue and they had relational uh, informal fellowship as well. We had both, uh, and we need both. And so this is where a lot of our fellowship in this room and that room, they come into play. Uh, put leadership in these two because that's my office and the staff office and the elders meet there. Uh, I'm not sure what Mike was trying to say for a while. The first two drafts of this, this kept saying kids for my office. <laughs> and I said, hey, can we change that leadership? And he said, yep, and he gave me another draft and it still said kids. So, but I, th I think we're good. Restrooms, come up with your own height. What's that? 
had his kids in mind. But I, I still think Zeke might be your next pastor. Uh, wouldn't that be funny if I opened the door and Zeke's just standing there? Like, <laughs> Anyways, but those are the bathrooms. Come up with your own spiritual experience situations there. Um, and because we know we're the nursery and our kids' ministry are, are very vital to our church, we're very blessed in those areas. We've got great adults who love our kids. We've got kids who love our adults, and they all love Jesus. I'm thrilled. And one of the things I love most about it is they're constantly challenging themselves. How can we lead them to Christ even better? I lo- love that aspect. This is really not there. It's here. This is upstairs, and they didn't quite know how to do that. Um, but our youth group, again, phenomenal people leading our youth, great youth that we have. The relationships have grown so much in the last year with our youth group, and it's been so redefined in the last year that that's been uh, su- such a blessing to be. But then you start getting this stuff up here. And this stuff up here is, from an elder standpoint, areas that we recognize that we have grown in in organic ways at our church, as the Holy Spirit leads, without doing a bunch of programming to try to make it happen. That these are things that, as we've been talking about these rooms, and we've been watching over, especially the last year, that we see movement in, that people are doing, that's not us sitting in a room going, okay, how do we make this happen? How do we make that happen? Those type of things. Biggest one that I really think that we can grow in and we have been growing in is relational evangelism. And we will continue doing training on that, but that's not something that we can force people to do. But people inviting people to church, people sharing their testimonies with others, people reaching out to people that maybe they have seen, but they know they're going through a tough time and they need encouragement, they need community around them. We've been seeing a lot of, lot of uh, grassroots movement in that area. And I really think that God's doing something there. Uh, here, these organic gatherings, um, such a formal name for something that's not formal at all. But it's, it's nothing now for me to go into Panera and five women from our church just decided they're going to have lunch together. I think Angie's been doing uh, some different gatherings of different women in the church, like four, three or four or five of them, just randomly so that people can hang out and talk with each other. Um, going to the concert last night was, was an organic uh, event that just kind of came up and they just started rolling and you could go with it. The women's event that Ginger led. Hey, I see, I see this, and besides, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to invite other people to go. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of you guys doing the fellowship instead of it be, oh gosh, you need 48-plus clubs so I can see somebody at the church. No, there's, there's a lot of things we do as individuals and invite ourselves into each other's homes for that relational. So I love seeing that moving. This informal fellowship is a big part of that, um, seeing people connect more throughout the week. Uh, whether it be physically, whether it be social media, whether it be uh, just in each other's lives. Uh, this is the first time I remember, and I love it, because uh, I've been really trying to decentralize myself from a lot of things in the church so that's more organic than, than pastoral-led or elder-led. Um, but I have people come and say, hey, I've been worried about so-and-so. Um, how, how did the surgery go? And this is going to sound horrible, but I go, what are you talking about? Because people are connecting a lot more on a personal level instead of, hey, Tom, can you do this and can you put on the prayer chain stuff? We see a lot more of this informal fellowship happening in our homes and our different places. Uh, personal ministry, people growing in their own shape. All of us have different spiritual gifts. All of us have different spiritual gifts if you've accepted Jesus. So leaving forgiven your life by acknowledging with your mouth he's the Son of God. Believing your heart he died and rose again and following him. According to scripture, you do have spiritual gifts. You have different passions, different things that you are, uh, have a heart for. You have different abilities. 
Uh, we have different personalities. We have different experiences. We have our own shape. And I see a lot more people leaning into that of who does God call me to be and how do I do my ministry instead of, I'm glad our church is doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's that we are getting involved and we're doing it. We're seeing a lot more of that. We're seeing a lot more community partnerships. So this is a little bit of a higher level, but you guys have been leaning in great. Uh, we've had Love, Inc. We've had Voice of Hope. We've had Turning Point. We've had uh, different uh, groups that we've worked with, different partnerships that we've had uh, in the past. Um, this year is the year decided, you know what, we, we've got the Stephen Fund uh, and things are going well. With the Stephen Fund, let's start helping people in the community because in the past it was just kind of for us here. So that's why we did the diaper drive for First uh, Presbyterian Church a couple months ago. That's why we're doing the people and jelly in a couple months we're doing Voice of Hope again. That's the baby bottles. Uh, a couple months after that we'll be uh, working with Spiro Health and with personal need items for the people that they counsel. Um, Two months after that, we've got a mission group with Rice Bowls, uh, which, which we've done. And the thing that's exciting is we've done those type of drives before. But, man, you guys have been, like, really coming out to it. And I really am looking forward to Thursday night to, to see who is plugging in. Not that everybody can be on Thursday night. You might work. I'm not trying to do a guilt trip. But I'm really looking forward to see who's, who's in the house and make, make the sandwiches and be hands-on instead of just buying a couple of things and dropping them off. I, I think we're, we're moving in some right directions within these community partnerships. Uh, missions, um, that, that's, that's been a little bit of a trip. Uh, lately, we kind of got to a point where that kind of got a little bit dry. We worked with a mission group uh, for a while that, um, for different reasons, don't, uh, don't think that they're evil or all of them are going to hell or anything like that, but we don't feel comfortable partnering with them anymore. Uh, so they kind of limited things, and so, uh, and I met Ginger again, is retired this past year off of eldership, but uh, she's got a big heart for missions, and, and uh, we, we took some faith steps and missions, and I was putting Morgan in uh, Bangkok and Thailand. Uh, some of you have seen some of those type of things. The, re the, the, the check-in thing has just been phenomenal, that you guys are involved with that and helping out different groups of, uh, each month. Um, the Compassion child the kids have really adopted that and they've been doing great with that uh, the hope coffee has been going pretty well financially but much better when it comes to our awareness of the missions and whatnot so we've seen a lot of growth in that area that i think is one of those rooms and then generosity we're seeing things given um in new ways uh again we've talked about the individual who gives three dollars a month to each of the side funds i think that's phenomenal uh, people taking and donating anonymous extra to encourage people or to help people. Uh, it's just been a, a different ball game as far as the next step. And I, I think we have a lot of generosity there. And it's not just in finances. Uh, this is part of that, not trying to pre-decide pre, uh, what a switch is going to look like. I was talking to a buddy of mine in town who pastors another church. Uh, and they're going, I, I, I see several churches in our town that have kind of a similar thing going on right now as far as the movement of the Spirit. We were talking about it, and I said, you know, the concern is, as far as not trying to predetermine what a switch looks like, uh, that's all, I'll not how he said it to him, or he'd be like, what? Um, but as soon as you say the church will grow, people think mega church. And as soon as you say prosperity, they think money. And he goes, yes. He goes, this is the problem we're having. I, I, I guarantee you we're going to grow, and, and God's going to have his prosperity. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it would be... Uh, many different areas. The growth I've seen in our church has nothing to do with numbers over the COVID season. Nothing to do with no numbers. But God's up to something. And we're seeing more areas in generosity. And so for right now, these are the ones that we have 
scene moving, and this might change as time goes on, it might grow, or whatever the case would be, I'm sure we'll have some different seasons, but these are the times that the things that we're talking about that we, as the collective, need to start focusing on to see that switch. It's re if you look at almost none of this really has to do with something I do with my, in my, my kid's playroom. It's what we see is going on amongst us. So as I share that, what does that mean for you as the individuals who make up the church? How do we position ourselves like Peter did to receive what the Spirit is doing? He positioned himself on the roof of a tannic to get away from everybody and do what? Pray. That's the position he wanted to receive. He wants that, that desire within it. And then when God started doing stuff, he didn't just say, oh, I did my half hour of prayer because I was on the schedule. He said, okay, I guess it's time to get up and do something. And when I go up and do something, to experience something. And then somewhere in there, there's going to be a aha. So if there's something within here that you think, you know what, I've had a passion for that, but I've kind of leaned back. Maybe it needs to be prayer, but you also need to go. You need to experience. That's one of the things we get more passionate about, the things that we actually understand and experience firsthand. Absolutely. But then there's also our own lives. Again, it's not just about the church, but maybe as we're going through this, you know you need a switch in that addiction, that abusive relationship, and getting help with that mental health challenge or the emotional health challenge or the rebuilding of something in your life or giving up an area of sin that you know you... you that shouldn't be there, and God's already been kind of working on it, right? That's why we talk about switches. It's already kind of, kind of moving that direction. Some people have already reached out to you, but it's time to position yourself and get in prayer and look at what would be a firm foundation underneath my feet instead of staying with the status quo. I have a buddy right now that's been going through a hard time for, for some time, and he's always been kind of like a social drinker, and he's drinking more now. He's not addicted, but he does realize he's drinking probably more than he should. And as we were talking, uh, he was like, well, I don't really think I have a problem, though. Okay, well, let's talk about that, because I know people that are, have struggled with addiction with alcohol, and it's not something you want to do. It's not. It's hard. The easiest way to, to be in an addiction with alcohol is not to drink in the first place. The easiest way to give up cigarettes is never smoke one. You know what I mean? It's just it, because once, once you have that addiction, those who struggle with addiction in different areas know just how freaking hard and nasty that enemy is, right? So we're talking about that, and I don't want him to get to that point. And, and finally, he's just kind of like, hey, can we just kind of lighten up? It's okay, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. I'll get off your back if you go dry one week. Just go dry one week. Not all bag people. We just were talking about stuff. And he's like, I can't do that. And I said, why? He goes, well, because I need, a, I need a beer to relax. See, that's what I'm concerned about. You need a beer. Now, again, I'm not talking about whether or not beer, eat, drinking a beer is a sin or not. We've talked about that. Look at Romans 4, uh, 14. If you're, you're struggling with that yourself, drunk, being drunk is a sin. It's absolutely black and white in Scripture. One beer is something else that we can talk about. Over, I'm kind of getting tired of Panera, but I'll meet you someplace else. Um, <laughs> And we're, and we're talking about, I would love to do that, but for me, give me grace. I don't think having one beer is a sin. Uh, and I said, there's a difference between me saying, you know, this is a nice night. Like last night, it's a nice night. It would be a nice night for a fire, and I think I'm, uh, a beer sounds good right now. That's one thing. I need a beer to relax is a different thing. 
I need a beer to celebrate is a different thing. And so we were talking about those type of things. And if I took a look at this with the switch, which I pray they get the switch early so they don't have to go through the addiction aspects of things, position yourself, prayer, get ready to receive as he does, go, act, and have a different foundation in your life. I think that these are how these things are coming together. Does that make sense so far? Okay. So with that, whether it be with rape, mental health, addiction, abusive relationships, schoolwork, any area of our spiritual life, I just want to give us an opportunity to bring that forward under this definition, and we'll put this on the screen for you. And this is the best way I can define it myself. I played with it for a while. Switch is an attitude of submission and adoption when you finally get tired of the status quo. Switch is an attitude of submission where you submit to what God wants for your life instead of what you wanted or what you're trying to do and adopting it as your own when you finally get tired of the way things have been in any of these areas. As we go into prayer, I'm going to go and bring the team up. As we go into prayer, our song and our prayer are going to be at the same time. Okay? And I'm going to just ask you to take a few moments of preparing your heart for the prayer of going, what area? Maybe it has something to do with something that's going on inside the church. Maybe it just has to do with you and some of these areas that we're talking about. There's a billion different applications to this. But between you and the Holy Spirit, what is the area that the Spirit is saying, we need some new freedom here. We need a new place within this. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.